Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Gabrielle Galchen, with my mentor, Emily. Hi, readers! And today on this podcast, we'll be discussing the era of Sylvia Plath, an era which is never ending because her beautiful writing still affects us today. Today, Plath has been stereotyped as the poet for the heartbroken, depressed teenage girl. This may either be because of consistently romantic poems, such as one of her most famous, Mad Girl's Love Song, or because of her life story. After the death of her father at age 10, Plath became clinically depressed and tried to slit her throat. Though she experienced this depression throughout her life, she also grew up to become a celebrated writer, a voice of her generation. But after finding out that her husband, Ted Hughes, was cheating on her, Plath's depression intensified and she committed suicide by placing her head in an oven on February 11, 1963. And so, any legacy she has as a poet has also become irrevocably intertwined with her death and what it meant about who she was behind her beautiful and twisted poetry. So what do you think about Sylvia Plath, Emily? Thanks, Gabby. I'm so happy to be here. When I was young, I thought that Sylvia was the coolest. Her blonde hair and crisp retro style, she was so elegant. And her words, those words, a master of the turn of phrase, how she strung them together and conveyed more emotion than I could ever dream of. But just like we grew out of Barbies, I grew out of Sylvia. Why? Probably because pretentious boys in college told me that sadness and love and not knowing what to do with their lives weren't worthy enough subjects of a poem. But today I think that's silly because as I return to her work with you, she hits me harder than ever. Gabby, why do you love her work? Well, I love Sylvia Plath for the reasons everyone does. Her poetry is beautiful. It taps into her emotions and it's real and honest and discusses depressive emotions that most people don't want to talk about, that are too scared to even confront within themselves. But as for the boys in your college, it's very hypocritical for them to criticize what exactly people write about. Just like you cannot define other people's emotions for them because emotions are always validated, you can also define what poetry is and what is an acceptable topic for poetry because conventions anyhow change. And also, the audience of Sylvia Plath is what determined which one of her poems became famous. The fact that Mad Girl's Love Song is about a crazy girl, a girl driven crazy by how much she's in love with this person. The fact that that is Sylvia Plath's most famous poem doesn't reflect on Sylvia Plath's. It reflects on what the world likes to read about. The world likes to read about the delusions of love and how addicting it is. So criticizing the content of her poems, in my opinion, isn't criticizing her as a writer. It's criticizing what society prefers to read about. I mean, you're definitely going to laugh at me for saying this, but is Sylvia Plath a Taylor Swift of her generation? I mean, this girl can't get any respect despite being one of the best lyricists or, I mean, poets versus lyricists as Taylor Swift was of her generation. And sometimes I do believe with all the advantages that come along with being attractive, conventionally bodied, 
white, blonde. Um, there also comes some difficulties, especially in Sylvia's day, in terms of getting the respect that she deserved when, like you said, it's the poems that, it's not, it's not up to her which poems ended up becoming the, the most famous. She has plenty of work that isn't directly about love, but these are the ones that we tend to focus on probably because of who she was as a person. And like you said, that's not necessarily her fault, but honestly, the woman was absolutely brilliant. Some of her phrasing, metaphors, similes, what's your favorite one of her poems? Well, it's hard to choose just one, obviously, but if I have to, probably one of her more feminist poems, Mushroom, it's about the societal resistance to women trying to advance themselves. And some lines I really like are, soft fists insist on heaving the needles, the leafy bedding, the fact that women are expected to always sew at home and all of those domestic habits. There's also the sentences earless and eyeless, perfectly voiceless, widen the crannies, shoulder through holes. We died on water, on crumbs of shadow. And all of this is saying very concretely, yet very beautifully, that women were deprived of their voice, not just at that time, but also today. And relating to Taylor Swift, honestly, I don't know how much it matters whether or not Sylvia Plath was the Taylor Swift of her generation. There's always going to be a beautiful, popular woman who is extremely talented in her own right, yet is completely misunderstood by people who either don't understand the beauty of the writing or mischaracterize them because they're sexist. The fact that there's a double standard in that. Poets such as Dylan Thomas wrote about love, yet Sylvia Plath was the one criticized. The fact that Ed Sheeran constantly sings about love and not about the more intimate type of love, but more just how he loves women's bodies. And Taylor Swift sings about relationships and how she feels during them, which is much more profound. Yet Taylor Swift is the one who's criticized. But I guess the main difference is that Taylor Swift took a year off from singing because of all the backlash she received. And there's definitely a big discrepancy in mental health culture today. So. If Sylvia Plath did live today, maybe her ending would have been different, but we can never really know. Yes, I mean, you're right. It's absolutely staggering to think about what Sylvia would have been like if she had been alive in our generation. I mean, think about what it was like to be a young woman in that day before Roe vs. Wade, um, civil rights, before women served our government in any meaningful way. Not that we have a female president now or anything, but still, it was way worse then. There was no premium put on women getting education and jobs and really weren't seen. There was no consciousness yet. Feminism was still in its very, very early days. And then when you add that to the fact that the culture of secrecy and shame around mental health difficulties, a lack of scientific understanding in the community, um, you know, the odds were really stacked against her. So you're totally right. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely argue that the odds were stacked against her because of 
the time she was born in. But also, I mean, at the same time, there's more of the philosophical argument, how much are we responsible for and can we ever excuse our actions based on the context? And now a message from our sponsors. Girls Right Now is a program that joins together New York City girls from public schools all across the five boroughs and women who work in writing and writing adjacent fields to, with the common purpose of finding our voices together through different mediums of writing. Um, We learn how to do poetry, fiction, screenwriting, advertisement writing, um, letter writing, all different types of things. We come together as a community once a month and you get to network, you get to meet lots of awesome, brilliant women and girls who are just trying to do the same thing, which is, again, finding our voices together. Um, So please come join us. Check us out at our website, girlsrightnow.org, or on Instagram at girlsrightnow, and have a great night. So we've talked a lot about Sylvia's life as a writer, but there's also the fact of her death and how that's become a big part of her legacy, maybe almost as much as who she was before it. And her death was very controversial, primarily because a lot of people don't know why it happened. Was it because Ted Hughes cheated on her or was that simply the final straw in a long string of events? Was this maybe something she was more prone to, this suicide, as shown by how she attempted to kill herself already at the age of 10? And in my opinion, her death means that she was more than just heartbroken, because if you think about it, burning yourself alive is one of the most painful ways to die. It wasn't a peaceful way of dying, which women are known to use more when they commit suicide statistically. Sylvia Plath wanted to make herself feel a physical pain that was so powerful that she wouldn't feel any other emotions inside. That maybe, in my opinion, almost that the physical pain overpowered everything else so that it was all she focused on. And we honestly don't know why she committed suicide, but her poems are what define her more than anything else. What do you think, Emily? It's a tough question, Gabby. It's really hard to talk about, and there is still such a stigma surrounding all of it. But I kind of think about this idea of self-mythology and these writers and artists who took their own lives and get etched in history as the person they were when they took their own lives. And that's who people think of them. It's part of their imagery and their mystique. You see it with Kurt Cobain from Nirvana, Jimi Hendrix, um, Sylvia Plath. I mean, she, that is, it is so inextricably linked with her poetry. And sometimes I wish her poetry could exist on its own um, without having that over it. But I think also it's important to learn about the circumstances of her life, especially when we have big discussions around mental health, feminism, where we are in terms of women's rights in this country and around the world, and how society deals with the best and best, even the best and brightest amongst us who really suffer from pain. Um, So I think, you know, in this question of self-mythology too, um, 
maybe her work in some ways benefits from her death. Um, at, at least, you know, again, you look at a Cobain and certainly the two things, he never got to have his cheesy I'm in my 50s album, <laughs> never got to sell out. Um, but, you know, he never got to meet his daughter, really be with his daughter. So, and same with Sylvia Plath, didn't get to know her two kids and it's a tragedy for all of us. Right, and just in a nutshell, a lot of Sylvia Plath's quotes, aside from her poetry, reflect her mindset. She said, if I didn't think, I'd be much happier. This goes for many people. People who daydream are more prone to sadness. People who are smarter are more prone to mental health illnesses, statistically. Thinking about reality, being realistic and pragmatic, does make people less happy. And Sylvia Plath was aware of that, I guess. But then she also says in a different quote, let me live, love, and say it well in good sentences. So obviously she did try to have an optimistic approach to life. And for a while, it's safe to assume that she did. And even if this didn't last, it still existed. And the fact that she was able to have these content phases in her life is enough for us at this point. Thank you so much for having me tonight, Gabby. It's been so wonderful discussing Sylvia Plath with you. Yes, thank you so much for coming. I think we've safely realized that Sylvia Plath cannot be defined. She's more than her death, more than her life, more than her poetry, and she's simply amazing, and there's still so much we can learn from her.